Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Wisdom from Above, where we go beyond the reasoning of man to the revelation of God. My name is Dr. Harlan Betts, and this eighth season of Wisdom from Above is taking an in-depth look at the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Today's episode is titled, All Hell Breaks Loose. Or it could be titled, Triple Trumpet Woes. Our main passage is the ninth chapter in the book of Revelation. A New York Times reporter says, A talking carp, shouting in Hebrew, shattered the calm of the New Square fish market in New York and created what many are calling a miracle. Others are just calling it a whopping fish story concocted by a couple of Meshuganists. Zalman Rosen, a 57-year-old Hasid, and his co-worker Luis Navillo, a 30-year-old Ecuadorian immigrant. Whatever one calls it, the tale of the talking fish has spread in recent weeks throughout the Hasidic world. Zalman and Luis say that a 20-pound carp about to be slaughtered and made into gefilte fish for Sabbath dinner began speaking in Hebrew, shouting apocalyptic warnings. Lewis lifted the live carp out of a box of iced-down fish and was about to club it in the head with a rubber hammer, but the fish began speaking in Hebrew. Rosen said that when he approached the fish, he heard it utter warnings and commands in Hebrew. It, it, it said that everyone needs to account for themselves because of the end of the near, and the fish commanded Rosen to pray and study the Torah. According to the reporter, many people believe that it was God revealing himself that day to two fish cutters in the New Square fish market. Wolfberg, a lawyer, said, this is one of those historical times when God reveals himself for a reason. This article, which was carried in the Houston Chronicle, was titled, Did Fish Foretell Apocalypse or Is Story a Bunch of Carp? <laughs> I'm going with option number two. I believe that fish story is, as the Houston Chronicle put it, just a bunch of carp. God has revealed himself in the living word, Jesus Christ. And God has revealed himself in the written word, the Bible. If we want to hear from God today, all we have to do is open the Bible. The prophetic future is laid out. But it is not through some psychic or medium or modern day prophet or astrological chart or talking fish. It is through the Bible. The book of Revelation lays out a clear outline of things to come. Today we're studying some very significant events that take place during the tribulation. Trumpet judgments number five and six. These judgments take place during that period of time Jesus refers to as the tribulation. Trumpet Judgment 5 is woe number 1. Remember from last episode, woe, woe, woe 
was related to trumpets five, six, and seven. Woe number one is trumpet number five. And it's the release of locusts or demons, one through five. Revelation nine, one to three. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like smoke out of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And in this woe, all hell breaks loose. Let's look at this verse, these two verses. A star fallen from heaven. This is most likely a reference to Satan. Let me give six reasons. Number one, the term star is often used of angels, as in Job 38.7. Number two, Satan is called star of the morning in Isaiah 14.12. Number three, the masculine pronouns him in Revelation 9.1 and he in Revelation 9.2 indicate a personage or being. Number four, Jesus referred to Satan as having fallen from heaven, Luke ten eighteen, And this passage refers to a star fallen from heaven to earth. Number six. He is referred to as the king over these demons in verse 11. And Satan is the king or leader over all of the demons. The demons are simply angels who followed Satan in his rebellion. Seventh, the name of the bottomless pit is the abyss. They come from the bottom. The abyss is not Hades, where unbeliever souls are in torment. The abyss is a pit of darkness, a gloomy dungeon, where certain evil, evil angels are enchained or imprisoned. We read a little bit about this in Luke eight thirty to thirty one, and in Second Peter two four, and in Jude six, Jude refers to the abyss as Tartarus. There are two categories of demons: one, those who freely roam about serving Satan by influencing, indwelling, and tormenting mankind. One example of these demons is the story of a man from the country of the Gadarenes who was possessed and tormented by demons. Jesus was casting out the demons, and the demons begged him that they would not be sent into the abyss, into the bottomless pit, but rather would be sent into the nearby herd of hogs. Jesus sent them into the hogs, and the hogs ran violently over the cliff and drowned in the lake. I believe this was probably the first case of deviled ham. <laughs> the second category of demons are those fallen angels who, due to their cohabitation of women in Genesis 6, are now bound or chained in Tartarus, in the abyss. These demons 
these locust demons described in Revelation 9 are those demons who are presently bound in the abyss. So in the future, in trumpet judgment number five, the angels who have been chained and bound in the abyss in Tartarus, in this bottomless pit, are going to be released to wreak havoc on the earth. And that's why I titled this, All Hell Breaks Loose, as these demons are released from the bottomless pit to wreak havoc on the earth. The abyss, by the way, is also the place of Satan's future 1,000-year confinement during the Millennial Kingdom, according to Revelation 20, verses 1 through 3. Notice the destruction that is caused by these locust demons in verses 4 through 6. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, but death will flee from them. So this passage tells about their limitations. They're not allowed to hurt the vegetation or men with the seal of God on their forehead, that is, believers, and they're not allowed to kill any man. What is their authority? Well, according to verse 5, they can torment mankind, unbelieving mankind, for five months. And their torment is like the sting of a scorpion. So unbelievers will be tormented, but not killed. And then verse 6 talks about their inescapability. Men will try to get away from them, but cannot escape them. And men will want to, they'll, they'll seek death rather than continue to be tormented and stung by these demons. And God will not allow suicide. Perhaps there's a loss of free will due to their demonization. Now this seems like a horrible way to bring people to repentance. But as Tim LaHaye says, it would be an act of mercy on God's part to permit a person to be tormented for five months in an effort to bring him or her to Christ in order to avoid the torments of the damned for eternity. So you've got five months torment here on earth as opposed to eternal torment in being separated from God. So it's an act of mercy in God's part to permit a person to be tormented for five months in an effort to bring him or her to Christ and avoid the torments of being damned for eternity. I think he is exactly right. In verses 7 through 10, we read the description of the demons, the locust demons. The shape of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold. Their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair. Their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound on their wings was like the sound of the chariots, with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, 
and there were stings in their tails, their power was to hurt men five months. So they were like horses prepared for battle, powerful and protected, like crowns of gold on their heads, authoritative, like faces like the face of humans, intelligent, hair like the hair of women, attractive, teeth like the teeth of lions, ravenous, breastplates like the breastplates of iron, invincible, sound of wings like many chariots attacking, swift, scorpion-like tails and stingers, tormenting. And then we read again about the king over the locust demons in verse 11. And they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. The Hebrew Abaddon means destruction. The Greek Apollyon means destroyer. Satan is the destroyer. Hebrews 2.14 refers to Satan as the one who has the power of death. Revelation chapter 12 reveals that Satan tried to destroy a newborn child, Jesus. He persecuted the woman who bore the child, Israel. He made war with the rest of her offspring. According to John 10.10, Satan comes to steal and to kill and destroy. According to 1 Peter 5.8, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So again, I believe the king over these is Satan, and uh, these demons that belonged to him were enchained in hell, and he was allowed to go and free them for this judgment. According to verse 12, one woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these. So trumpet six is woe number two. Arch demons. Notice the request of Christ in verses 13 and 14. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the angel of Jehovah commands the sixth angel to release four angels bound in the great river Euphrates. So we have Jesus commanding the sixth trumpeter angel to release four evil angels who are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now, we know these angels are evil. How do we know this? Because they are presently bound. These four creatures are incredibly evil. The Euphrates River is the river Abraham traveled along on his trek toward what would be the Promised Land. The Euphrates flows out of the mountains, down through Iraq and Iran, into the Persian Gulf, into the area of Babylon and the Persian Gulf. In the Old Testament, both the Assyrians and the Babylonians crossed the Euphrates and attacked Israel. The Euphrates is the site of the first sin, the first murder, the first grade, the first rebellion of man against God. It was a border of the Garden of Eden, and it will be a significant site in the final rebellion against God. And, uh, of course, the revived Babylonian Empire. The Euphrates River is 1,700 miles long. At some places, it's 
over 1,000 feet wide. In some places, it's 57 feet deep. And then we read the release of the demons. So the four angels who had prepared for the day and hour, for the hour and day and month and year, were released to kill a third of mankind. These four angels had been prepared, that is, kept in readiness, for the hour and day and month and year. This is a definite article for this specific time, this specific hour and day and month and year, and for this purpose, to kill a third of mankind. Think of it. There are around 6 billion people on the planet Earth. One-fourth of the world's population will be killed during the seal judgments. That's 1.5 billion people. Then one-third of the remaining population will be killed during the trumpet, this trumpet judgment. That's another 1.5 billion people. So half of the world's population, 3 billion people, will be killed during the first half of the tribulation. The results of their work, verses 16 19. Now the number of the army of horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat upon them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and their tails. For their tails are like serpents, having heads, and with them they do harm. So let's look at these more closely. Their number, 200 million. Now at the time of writing, there were not even that many people on earth. Please note that this is not just an educated guess by John. He's not simply trying to describe what he saw. He heard the number. It was divinely revealed to him. 200 million. This is an incredibly huge mobile military. Some consider, consider some of history's largest armies. Xerxes invaded Greece with 2,644,000 men. At the height of World War II, the USA had 12 million men in the army. But here we're reading about a 200 million man army. Notice their location. The four corners of the earth could indicate all the governments of the world amassing their armies to come to the Valley of Megiddo to fight. They will. But Revelation 16.12 indicates this opens the way for the kings from the east. Some believe this is specifically a reference to China. According to Time magazine, Red China claimed to have an army of 200 million. Notice the battle. Now remember, John is writing this before cars have been invented, before planes and jets have been invented, before tanks have been invented, before modern weaponry and warfare has been invented. But notice the description. The riders. 
verse 17a, breastplates of fire, hyacinth and brimstone, that's red and blue and sulfurous yellow. Their mounts, verse 17b, heads like lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. And their tails had, had uh, were like serpents and they had the power to hurt. They had head like serpents and the power to hurt, like tanks with missile launchers in front and machine guns in back, like planes with missiles and traces in front and ICBMs with multiple nuclear warheads, like helicopter gunships with rotors mounted on their long tail assemblies, like missiles that leave snake-like trail in their wake and inflict injury with their warheads. Clearly, there will be a monster slaughter. The battle at the time of the return of Christ has some events that sound very much like nuclear warfare. Uh, you can read about this in Zechariah fourteen twelve. But at any rate, these four angels have uh, f- come from the Euphrates and they summon this 200 million man army and open the way for them to cross the Euphrates. And the result is a killing of one third of mankind an incredibly devastating judgment. As we noted before, the world's population is 6 billion. The fourth seal, a quarter of the world's population was killed, 1.5 billion people. Now the sixth trumpet, a third of the world's population killed, 1.5 billion people. Totaling 3 billion people killed, or half the world population. Daniel refers to this as an unprecedented time of trouble. Jesus refers to this as an unprecedented time of trouble. It is so bad that Jesus says if the tribulation wasn't shortened by his return, it would result in the death of all mankind. Matthew twenty four twenty two. But now he wraps this up by telling us the response of the unbelievers in verses 20 and 21. The response of the unredeemed. He says, But the rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor nor walk. They did not repent of their idolatry, the works of their hands, man-made idols, idols made of gold, silver, bronze, wood, and stone, In spite of all that has happened, unbelieving mankind remains unrepentant. Demon worship is listed as one of the reasons for this irrational stubbornness and self-destructive hard-headedness. Men and women have fallen under the spell of a powerful delusion. They're deceived by powerful religious and political leaders. They've given themselves over to false idols worshiping green trees and green plants in the earth rather than worshiping their creator, worshiping Satan rather than worshiping Jesus, lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They didn't repent of their idolatry. They didn't repent of their murders, abortion, infanticide, suicide, homicide, genocide, where the love of God is absent, The contempt for man is abundant. Where God is not valued, 
Human life is not valued. They did not repent of their sorcery, witchcraft, and drug abuse. The Greek term is pharmacia. Pharmakia. It refers to occult practices and use of mind-altering drugs and mood-altering drugs. So we have wizards and witches and warlocks, black magic, potions, and illegal drugs, charms, divination, sorcery, casting of spells, and making of pacts with the devil. No doubt those tormented by demons will seek relief through drugs, and addictions will abound. They did not repent of their sexual immorality, premarital sex, extramarital sex, sex with same-sex partners, sex with minors, sex with strangers, sex with animals, sex trafficking, sex slaves, sexual orgies. They did not repent of their thefts, shoplifting, burglarizing, swindling, embezzling, robbing, looting, hijacking, stealing. During this tribulation period, people do almost anything to get food, to get shelter, to get clothing, to get pleasure. Notice the description. The rest of mankind who are not killed by these plagues did not repent. They did not change their mind. They continued in their idolatry, continued in their sorcery, continued in their sexual immorality, continued their evil behavior, continued to excuse and justify their actions, continued to destroy their own destruction. They're incorrigible, hardened against the truth, rejecting God's gift of eternal life in Christ. Those who reject this loving gift fall under the judgment of God. How about you? Are you blindly excusing sinful behavior? Are you foolishly justifying your actions? Are you encouraging abortion, infanticide, suicide, or murder? Are you involved in witchcraft or drug abuse? Are you involved in sexual immorality? Are you stealing, robbing, cheating others to get more for yourself? Are you willing to repent? Are you willing to turn your life around? Are you willing to turn from the demonic to the divine? Are you willing to turn from self to the Savior? Don't harden your heart. Trumpet number seven, woe number three, opens up the seven bowl judgments. I want to share um, three things by way of application here. First, the downward spile of the latter days. Second Timothy 3 warns that in the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure, lovers of money, lovers of self rather than lovers of God. Paul warns us that in Second Timothy 3, and Paul warns us in First Timothy 4 that there's going to be an increase of satanic worship and satanic teaching, an increase of demonic interest, interest, an increase in occult powers and magic, people longing to become wizards and warlords and witches, people caught up in idolatry of riches and fame, 
people trapped in false religions, hearts that are hard and wills that are stubbornly self-destructive. There's this downward spiral in the last days. And the last days, savage times will come, the scripture says. Second, the tragic results of failing to believe the truth. Second Thessalonians 2 talks about people being deceived and deluded, especially by the Antichrist. It may come as a shock to some of you, but there are absolute truths. It does matter what you believe. It's not all up to you to decide what is right and wrong or what is acceptable and unacceptable. You will believe something. It's crucial that you believe the truth. If you reject the truth, you're believing a lie. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The Bible says, how should we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Don't harden your heart. If you refuse Christ, you'll be ruined by your own refusal. You'll be bound by your own blindness. You'll face the rest of your life without hope and the rest of eternity without God. Those are tragic results for failing to believe the truth. And finally, the tremendous opportunity to respond to God's offer. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, stop the world, I want to get off. Well, those who believe in Christ will get off at the rapture. They will get off before things turn really bad. Some of you think it's bad now, but this is nothing compared to the Great Tribulation. The Bible warns you not to put off this decision. Today is a day of salvation. The unredeemed in this passage refuse to repent. Have you? Repentance is an act of the will. Left of ourselves, we would never turn to God. We, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. But we're not left to ourselves. God has revealed himself to us through creation, through Christ, through our conscience, through the scripture. The spirit of God convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit's the one who's speaking to you right now. He will give you an awareness of your need for Christ because of your sin. He will give you an understanding of God's love. He'll remind you of the penalty of your sin. He'll give you the desire to trust in Christ your Savior. The Philippian jailer, upon seeing the evidence of the power of God, cried out, What must I do to be saved? And Paul answered and said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. If you've never before made the decision, I urge you to make it today. Place your faith in Jesus Christ. He loves you. He died for you. He rose from the dead. Trust in Him and Him alone for eternal life. Thank you, my friends, for joining me for this episode of Wisdom from Above. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your family and friends. I look forward to meeting with you again next week as we continue our study of the book of Revelation. Until then, I wish you a great week and God's blessings. Thank you so much for joining me in this passionate quest for wisdom from above.